talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. It's the podcast talking Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, once again joined by Mitch Stormer. Mitch is fresh off a of bye week. He's ready to go. He's been scouring the internet. He's been scouring the live streams, catching up on all things high school football from the area that we're covering. Mitch, you had the uh, you had our shot sheet filled out pretty much before I even jumped in. So I, I get the sense that you're ready to talk some football. Yeah, uh, Friday night felt like I was on a police scanner with all the, <laughs> the action going on. Uh, and really just a lot of things that we didn't expect, uh, both from team performances and a lot of really good individual performances this week. So, uh, yeah, good to come fresh off that bye week because we got a lot to talk about. I will say... This, I think, was the the best, the most exciting, however you want to phrase it, week we've had so far in high school football. Yeah. I think week yeah. four was a lot of unexpected performances. I think a lot of things that made you do a double take and say, whoa, a lot of things that we thought, okay, yep, this is what we expected to see. You know, things that just, a lot of things stood out to you. There was a lot of performances, like you said, teams, individuals, a lot of fun storylines heading into week five and into the rest of the season. So let's jump right in. The Western Big Six and Mitch, the story of the week for us, it has to be Moline. Not just that they won the game, but even if you say that they made a statement, I think that's a very big understatement. What they did to Rock Island, wow. 63-0 final Man, you called it. You thought Moline was the best team going into this season in our season previews. I didn't see this game coming. There's no way anybody did. Yeah, anytime you're talking about the largest margin of victory in the history of that conference, you know that it has to be uh, just an incredible performance. And then when you add that to that, it's a rivalry game like Rocky and Moline is. That just makes it even more unfathomable. So, um yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it here in, in just a second. But as I was as I was watching that game and getting the updates from that game, um, it just what what a night, <laughs> you know, what a night for Coach Morsey and the Maroons. So I was working with WQAD in the score and they had Coach Mike Morrissey on set um, after the game because they you know, they're playing at Browning Field just down the street from uh, from the TV station. So he came down and did an interview live on their show. And it was so funny watching him walk in. And, you know, we're all kind of talking to him and you could tell that in a good way, even he was kind of like shocked. I mean, even he was kind of at a loss for words because his team executed so well. I think Mm -hmm. it even blew away his expectations on what would have been a good victory for them in that one. It just, I think it surpassed any expectations he had. We'll start getting into it. You know, early on, the Rocks could not take advantage of really good field position and the Maroons would make them pay for it. You know, 36-yard pass, Alec Ponder to Colin Schultz. That immediately set up Gavin Grace with a 19-yard touchdown run. That made it 7-0. Moline strikes again. Ponder to Schultz for a 51-yard touchdown score. It's 14-0 before you can even blink your eyes. Maroons, The Maroons forced three Rocky punts in the first quarter. 
Moline continued in the second. Gavin Grace, another touchdown from 15 yards out. Just fighting off defenders the whole way. Just such a tough running back getting the plays. That put him up 22-0. Gavin Grace then scores again, his third touchdown in the half. That put him in, in the first half alone. Gavin Grace had 59 yards, three touchdowns on five carries. I mean, oh. that that immediately set the tone for this one. And it, I mean, by the time you get to halftime, Moline is shocked. I think everybody yeah. is shocked by what is happening. Yeah, well, and, and like you said, you were on the road and I was I was kind of texting you. And I said, I think my text was Moline Rocky running clock in the second quarter. And just even just typing that just seemed really weird. But like you just talked about, all the credit in the world to Moline because on those Gavin Grace touchdown runs, he was literally just throwing defenders off of him on his way to the end zone. And then just talking about the defense, like you said, they, they forced three punts in the first quarter alone. Um, Eli Reese had four interceptions in the first half. Um, so really a, a dynamic Rocky offense that we've seen do really well. Uh, this season and even uh, uh, previously in the spring and Moli just completely shut it down. So um, it was an all around effort on every single facet of the game for Moline. Um, you know, Ponder finishes three of eight passing and, and they won 63 to nothing. That's, you know, when you have nights like that, you just, you know, that everything was going right. Like you said. Well, it's crazy to think that if you, if you're Moline and you win a game by the score you did, 63-0, and you didn't even really need Alec Ponder or Matthew Bailey to do a whole lot for you. I mean, yeah. your ground game was able to establish themselves and really able to force the issue and really make plays happen. On the flip side of things, that Moline defense finishes with five interceptions and a fumble recovery. They allowed only 176 yards of total offense to Rock Island. And now keep in mind, this was a Moline defense that we just talked about a week ago going down to Quincy and they had a tough first half against Quincy. Yeah. They righted the ship. They made it work. They got the W down in Quincy, but I think yep. we had some, you know, we had some questions looking at Moline saying, you know, they can't get in a shootout week in and week out. I mean, they got to be right. able to slow some teams down, which coach Morrissey said himself in our team preview when he, you know, sent us his form back. So I think, when you look at it, this is a huge accomplishment for the Moline defense to do what they did. I tweeted it out in one of my viewpoints in, in on Twitter. If Moline's defense plays this strong, they're a very scary team. They're a really yeah. good football team because they will they will score with anybody. And I think that this is a big statement win for them. Like we said, it's an understatement just to call it a statement win because it was such a big win. Well, and it's important too to be kind of hitting this stride. Um, like you said, they they come over, uh, they overcome Quincy last week. That was a shootout, was like, you know, like forty eight to thirty five or, or something like that. Yep. And looking ahead to their schedule, you know, they've got Allman next week, which no discredit to Allman, but you know, it might be a tune up game for Moline and get some guys some experience. Maybe they try some new things. But then they've got UT. They've got a hot Yalesburg team, and then the big one against Sterling, and then that's not even counting their last game against Geneseo. So. This is a good, hopefully a good indicator of where Moline is because that's the type of performance that they're going to have to have to really make a run and stay at the top of the Western Big Six table. Yeah, I think with this win, I think it's fair to say Moline becomes the favorite. As if they weren't already, I think Moline becomes the favorite in this conference. But that being said, 
you just referenced a whole lot of teams yeah. that are aiming at them now. They know that they now have the they're they're the hunted now, you know. So I think that's yeah. what makes this Western Big Six race really intriguing. The maybe the coolest thing I saw from the Moline Rock Island game, Moline Maroons had three female kickers score extra points in this game. Caroline Hazen, Vivian Vito, and Kirsten Bailey. That's awesome. awesome. That it's it's yep. such a such a cool thing for Coach Morrissey and for that program to not we've talked about Caroline Hazen in the past and what yep. she's been able to do and become a really reliable, really strong asset for this team. But to then have two other female kickers behind her in the program, it's just an amazing it's just, it's really cool. I don't know even what else, how else to describe it. Just a really cool thing for that right. program. Yeah. Credit, credit to coach Morrissey and all the staff um, and credit to, to the girls for being on the team. It obviously doesn't happen all that much. Um, and so kudos to everybody involved in that. Cause yeah, like you said, it's, it's just awesome. So good to see um, and, and even cooler in a, in a rivalry game, regardless of, of the result. Yeah, it was. So talking to coach Morrissey um, after the game and having him describe when, you know, the girls were making the kicks and the whole team is rallied around that, you know, they're so into it and they want to see those kicks go through and they want to be a part of that celebration with them, you know, celebrating their accomplishments. It's just a really cool moment. And it's, I'm glad it happened for them. And like you said, on the biggest stage against rock Island, that's, it's hard to get much better than that. So congratulations to those three young ladies that is just just really cool something they'll never forget and hopefully there's a lot more to come you know caroline hazen has made several kicks over the last year and a half hopefully these other girls have more kicks in their future yeah it, it reminds me of uh, i think it was a hard knocks episode um when they were doing it with the texans and carly lloyd uh came to practice and they were challenging uh non-kickers on the texans to, to see if they could beat her and they absolutely could not because she could drill you know 40 yard field goals with ease so um yeah good example there and good to see it uh, in our area for sure yep well let's keep moving right along to other results in the western big six galesburg gets the win over geneseo 28 to 7 mitch this was a galesburg team that we've talked about me and dazzo talked about it last week we just yep. felt like there was something there. Something was going to break for them. Something was going to go their way. And it happened. It finally happened. I was just going to say that about uh, your guys' uh, recap, uh, you and you and Dazzo, because you called it. You, you, had, you had said multiple times that Galesburg was, was a good 0-3 team and a team that if you saw that they're 0-3 on paper, you just could not take any stock in that. So uh, kudos to you guys for pointing that out because it absolutely became true in this game. Um, and, and really, not to take anything away from the victory, Geneseo shot themselves in the foot quite a bit in this game, but that's where Galesburg has to take advantage of those opportunities. We've seen it this season where they've had those chances and had those openings, and maybe you know things don't go their way, but in this week, they certainly took advantage of it. Yeah, it finally felt like they got over that hump. You know, They were given some opportunities, and they took advantage. Like you said, Galesburg able to capitalize on good field position in the first half. Alex Egyptiaco with a touchdown run. His brother, Dre Egyptiaco, with a touchdown reception from Tristan Legate. Legate also found Hunter Davina on a passing play. If you saw the end of that play on the highlights for WQAD, man, he punishes a Geneseo defender yeah. on his way into the end zone. It was like you could see Hunter Davina, the linebacker, 
coming into play as Hunter Davina, the fullback. And it was yep. just, you know, just a really hard nosed run to find his way to the end zone. And congratulations to Galesburg's head coach, Derek Blackwell, gets his first win as a head coach. And his birthday was Saturday. So his birthday was over the weekend. So he's able to celebrate with a win. The kids get him the the W. They go to one and three. And like I said, I think there's more wins out there for Galesburg. They're a tough program. And Geneseo, we've said, they're good too. This just, it wasn't their night. And they've stumbled. You know, they're they're now sitting at 0-2 in the conference and and 2-2 overall. Still a good program, still a good team. Yeah, lost that lost that classic matchup last week against UT, um, and we wondered how they would how they would come back from that. And unfortunately, it just wasn't their night. Late in the second quarter, they had only gotten twenty four yards all night. AJ Weller just just didn't have it. Um, you know, we've seen that offense do really really good things this season so far, um, and, and like you said, just. Credit to Galesburg because they stopped a really dynamic offense. Um, A.J. Weller is a, a phenomenal quarterback in the conference. And and that's, you know, how does Geneseo respond now? That's two losses, um, 0-2 in the conference now. How do they respond? Sophomore quarterback, young team, tough loss last week. Call it a blowout. They just were, were overpowered in this one. So how do they – get back that's what I'm interested in seeing um because looking at their schedule and we'll get into week five here in a minute they don't get a rest because they've got Sterling coming in and then they've still got to play Moline at the end of the season so um you know hopefully that hopefully that the Maple Leafs can can get over this hump too uh because it doesn't get any easier yeah I think like you said what what's really interesting is seeing where these teams go from here Galesburg has got a shot of momentum right now. It's what they desperately needed. But on the other side, Geneseo has played some really good football and they've fallen in two tough games, the really tough loss at home against United Township. And then this one where they just didn't really have it and couldn't get things working for them on the road. So where do they go? You know, I I think that's really interesting. That's what makes this conference just fascinating week in and week out. And we'll talk about those upcoming matchups and kind of where these teams go from here. Speaking of this interesting conference, Quincy goes on the road to United Township. They come away with the 48 to 14 win. As surprising as the final was in Moline, Rock Island, this this game was surprising to me as well. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say of the three games we just talked about, Moline's big win, Galesburg gets their first win, or Quincy really taking it to UT, what would have been the most surprising had you not known if I just told you the scores on Friday night, what would have surprised you the most? Yeah, you're right. I would probably have to say the Quincy final score yeah, over UT. I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no offense to, to Rock Island or the way that game went, but I just, I don't know. Yeah. I really was surprised at what Quincy did. And I, I think maybe it's one of those things like maybe we should have, should have listened a little more to some people who said Quincy's young but they're talented. And I think a lot of times we'd hear Quincy's young and then we kind of closed off the conversation and we saw him going into Western big six play as sitting at one and one and just kind of thought, okay, you know, what, what do we really know about him? We don't know. And now here they are first quarter blue devils take advantage of a short field. Shammy gay goes for 11 yards for a touchdown following an interception Gregory Gregory Quince goes gets in the end zone on a 39 yard pass from Aiden Byquist Quincy quickly up 14 nothing 
Quincy takes advantage of another short field. Again, Quince, 15-yard pass from Byquist. The only um, you know points that UT was able to come up with early, um, Antoine Hawthorne, who made the dynamic play to end the game against Geneseo. He comes up with a loose ball, um, returns it 21 yards for a Panther defensive touchdown. But still, Quincy was up 28-6 at half. And that was kind of it. UT never really got back into this game. And, you know, I saw Nick Welch tweeted out, you know, the message about, you know, we didn't, we didn't show up or we weren't, we weren't there. We'll get better. And I think that's the best way you look at it is you, you immediately flush this one out and you, you hit the reset button, but man, that's a tough way to go for a crowd at UT that I'm sure was really hyped, really excited. And this one was just kind of a clunker. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and going back to Quincy, we just talked about it that uh, in their game last week against Moline, they put up a really good fight, and just uh, Moline took over late. So, like you said, maybe we were kind of sleeping on Quincy a little bit because no one has really done that to UT in, in a little while. You know, certainly not this season, and certainly not back in the spring. So, um, yeah, their their players like like you were talking about, Shami Gay had a couple touchdowns in this game, obviously. Uh, Aiden Byquist and, and Gregory Quincy have a, uh, a dynamic, you know, connection there that they've been being successful with. So I think that, like you were talking about with Galesburg, that there's still wins left on the, on the schedule. I think Quincy's going to make some noise here, putting up, you know, performances like that, and even in the losing effort against Moline. That, that's what I, mean, I tweeted it out this week. Another one of my viewpoints that I put on Twitter was, this Western Big Six race is really interesting. Like, there's just there's a lot of teams that you just kind of think week in and week out, they could, they could surprise and knock somebody off or they could be the one that, that falls short. It just, I think there's a lot of parody in this league. Right. And that's like you said, that's the excitement because every week uh, just can completely shuffle how the standings look the two teams we're just talking about Quincy and Gillsburg they're they face off in week five. So every week is going to, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of separation, I don't think, in this conference at all. Um, you know, as as Sterling and Moline sit at the top, they've got a lot to go through and a lot of teams gunning for them. Yep. Well, you just mentioned them. We'll move on to Sterling gets the win at home, 49-7 to over Alleman. Sterling started fast, and they scored often. They score on their third play of the game, a 17-yard touchdown pass from Colt Adams to Carter Ryan. The next possession, Tyree Kelly gets an interception and it was so funny to watch him almost like gets the interception and then almost like immediately turns into like his running back self yeah. does a spin move gets to the sideline follows his blockers into the end zone so credit to him made an athletic play on the pick six that made it 14 nothing Antonio Tablante had two first half touchdowns Adams to Ryan the connection they would score again Tyree Kelly gets a score um, another uh, rushing touchdown Garrett Paulson throws a touchdown pass to Jaron Garza. You know, just a lot of talent on that Sterling roster. Yep. Just a very well-coached team. And they got the job done in a week that I think we probably kind of expected it to go this way. Um, Sterling was still banged up a little bit. Uh, Drew Kested, their starting quarterback, was out again. I think they're hoping to have him back for next week against Geneseo, which we'll obviously talk about in a minute. But, you know, a solid overall effort from Sterling. You know, a Sterling team that, like we said, they're banged up a little bit, but they're able to get the job done. 
yeah, this is what you want to see. And, and again, no disrespect to Allman, but this is a game where Sterling was able to utilize their depth because one, they needed to, and two, they were able to. Um, and, and you guys talked about it. Dazzo made a good point about Allman and that it's just, you know, they don't have the numbers this year and they've got some kids that have never played football before. So all the credit in the world for those kids for, for trying, they do get their first points of the season. That was late in the fourth. So good to see that there's no quit in that team, um, which you would never expect from an Allman team. So, um, you know, if anyone's listening, you know, keep, keep fighting because you guys are going to get there and you got to get through this to, uh, to see the other side. So, uh, credit to them. Um, and, uh, we wish them all the luck, uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yep, absolutely. So Sterling gets the win on the field and Mitch, they also, the Sterling Golden Warriors also get the win in the uniform department. They're going to yeah. be our UniView team of the week. I saw them up close and personal firsthand. And man, I, I almost was out there and I thought, man, do I have some regret like not giving Sterling more love in our original rankings? Cause yeah, they got a they got a sharp look at home. They really do. Yeah, and that's that's the best way to put it is that it's just sharp. It's not flashy. Um, you know, if if you've never, you know, seen it before or can't picture it, you know, their their helmet is is navy blue in the old Washington Redskins logo, but it obviously has an S for Sterling. Um, gold face mask, and then it, uh, on on this night they had their navy tops on, their white pants. They they do go all navy. I, I like that look too. Yep. Um, it's just a Nike set. It's just crisp. It, it looks good. It matches, you know, everything, you know, facility wise for Sterling. So it's a whole, you know, ambiance of things, uh, at the school there. So, uh, yeah, a great pick because they look good every single week. Yep. If you're listening to this and you're not familiar with what Sterling looks like, go ahead and check out view from West pod on Twitter. We'll tweet out some pictures from the game, but just a really good overall look and Man, I, I hate to have regrets, but it it's a sharp looking uniform, and we they didn't quite get in the into our uh, final rankings. But uh, like we did talk it's, about that night, it's a really tough conference. There's a lot it's a of loaded good conference. Yeah, it's it's just it, it's a it's a job well done by all eight teams. So yeah, yeah. All right, well, Mitch, let's jump into what's coming up next. The week five schedule for the Western Big Six. United Township travels to Rock Island. Galesburg goes on the road to Quincy. Geneseo is at Sterling. I believe it's at Sterling, or is it um, is Sterling at home? Or is Geneseo at home? And the other one, while you're looking up that, Moline is at or Moline is at Alleman. Yeah, so, Geneseo is Geneseo is home against okay, Sterling. There you go. I think to me, that's where it starts. That's that's the rivalry, the classic rivalry going back to the NCIC. Or, um, you know, the guy, I can't remember what their last conference they were in, the Northern Illinois Big 12. They've kind of yep. alternated conferences over the years, but that's been the rivalry. Sterling's been on the upper end of it for the last few years. Man, Geneseo's getting a lot better, and this should be a good one. That's where my head goes first. Yeah, can, can Geneseo bounce back um, and can, can Sterling kind of keep their momentum going? Can they get healthy? Um, and keep keep uh, their wins going. I'm gonna say I'm I'm trying to flip flop here for different reasons. Um, Galesburg Quincy, who's who's for real? Yeah, UT Rocky, who can bounce back? Right, they're they're both coming off tough losses, um, tough big losses, I should say too. So what's the mindset there? Because you have to get over it and you have to start your way back up. And it's only going to happen for one of those teams. So if I had to pick one, I'll, I'll say Galesburg-Quincy because I really want to see what Quincy can keep doing. 
uh, and Galesburg too. So, um, and, and again, like we've talked about, every every game is just kind of moving the ladder a little bit for teams going up or down. So interesting to see as we are now right at the midway point of the regular season. Yeah, I think the game that stands out to me is UT at Rocky because we've now seen two offenses between the Panthers and the Rocks that can be high-powered, that can score quickly and be dynamic. But on the flip side, we've seen those two offenses be slowed down last week. They, They were both really limited in what they were doing. So which one is able to really establish themselves early in this one and kind of get, you know, get things moving? I think that'll go a long way, that early confidence to kind of get back on the board. Yeah, and, and which defense can step up, right? They both gave up over 40 points last week. So which defense can kind of dig their heels in and really stop the other offense? Yeah. Yep. And then the last game, Moline at Alleman. You know, Moline is, God, if you're Alleman, you got to think, what else do we have to face this year? I mean, as if Moline isn't tough enough, they put up 63 points against Rocky, and now Alleman's yep. got to play him. So, you know, yep. Moline seems to be firing on all cylinders. I expect them to look good again this week. And, you know, keep things rolling. Before, Mitch, before we get into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, I do want to talk quickly about Rock Falls. Um, You know, unfortunately, I saw a tweet um, over the weekend. Um, Brock Parker, who is the son of Rock Falls head coach Kevin Parker, was involved in a car accident. He was airlifted to Iowa City. He did have some significant injuries, but he is improving. So, you know, it's... Rock Falls kind of falls between the cracks in our coverage because they're not in one of our conferences that we talk about a lot, but just wanted to give a quick shout out to them. And, you know, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with the Parker family and hopefully we continue to get good news and, you know, for, for them and for the Rock Falls program itself, that's just, you know, something really tough that you never want to see, but especially, you know, in the middle of football season when there, you know, so much going on. So our thoughts and prayers are certainly with Rock Falls and their program. Yeah, like you said, a team that is just kind of maybe a little bit outside of, of what we talk about here, but certainly not really to the teams that we talk about in terms of geography. You know, obviously, I I grew up right next to Rock Falls, and, and there's a lot of respect uh, for that, that entire athletic program. So anytime you see news like this for, for any team in the area, uh, our, our thoughts are with them. So, uh, yeah, to the Parkers, uh, if you're listening, all the best to you and in uh, a, a swift recovery. All right, moving right along to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Mitch, we're going to start where we usually start with Princeton. They moved to 4-0 on the season. They get the 28-7 win over Mendota. The Trojans scored first in this one, but the Tigers immediately answer back. They had a 40-yard interception return. That's actually Ian Compton's second week in a row with a pick six, and it was Mendota quarterback Ted Landgraf's first interception he's thrown this year for Mendota. So, you know, that Princeton offense and that Princeton defense stepping up yep. and getting the job done, they pull away in this one. Tegan Davis connects with Danny Shihaki, 67-yard touchdown. That brought him, put them up 21-7, and they, you know, they won from there. So I think a good effort from Mendota. I think they hung around in this game. But, man, it, Princeton is, you know, a very good football team, like we always thought. Yeah. Uh, not to use a pun, but they're still the Tiger King. Uh, in the conference, um, you know, and Mendota's looked really good. Um, they, they came in, this was a battle of three, no teams. Um, Mendota had, you know, good wins over Erie Riverdale and BV. So those are not, you know, all that easy of wins to get 
under your belt. So uh, especially coming into a new conference. So, but <laughs> as we talk about every week, seemingly, it's just Princeton's conference. It's just how it is. That they're they're so good. They're so talented. Um, credit to Medota, they held them under forty points. You know, which we talked about before, which Princeton seems to do uh, most of the time. So, um, yeah, good for Princeton too to get maybe a battle under their belt too, or maybe they they don't because they're certainly going to see that come playoff time. So. You want to see that from those good teams in the regular season. You want to see them be battle tested just to see how they respond. Um, and good to see that they once again come away with a win. Yeah, I know it may sound a little ridiculous, but you're right. I think for for Mendota to hold Princeton to 28, I think that's I mean that's a decent accomplishment. You know, yeah. and it sounds ridiculous. You didn't get the win, but they're a very good football team and a very good offense. So I think yeah. you take any positives you can along the way in this one. And, you know, focus on the times you did stop them. And I think keep moving. Take what you can out of that and, and move on. And for Princeton, yeah, I think, you know, you get a win over a quality opponent like Mendota and, and you keep going. Because like you said, they're, they have big goals. I think this is a program that, you know, they're, they're eyeing very big things and they continue to play well. They move to 4-0. Speaking of 4-0 teams, Mitch, Kiwani Boilermakers now at 4-0. I believe it's the first time they've been 4-0 since 1999. That was a Brian Stocking uh, stat of the night the other night. So yeah, he, he was all over it. Great performance against a good Bureau Valley team. Great performance from the Boilermakers. Yeah. Um, if I were to tell you, Greg, that Kiwani has only scored seven less points than Princeton, uh, you, I, I could see you either believing that or not believing that because Princeton is so good but believing it because Kiwani puts up a lot of points. So uh, they are, they are inching closer to, to being or matching Princeton's offensive output. Um, yeah. This one from the first play of the game, it, it's the names that we you know hear a lot. It's Keontis Patterson. He took a direct snap and fires a 55 yard touchdown to Nico Powell. Um, I love, you... I love yeah, that we, I love that we know the name Keontis Patterson and we've talked about how much, like how dynamic he is on the football field. But then, man, Coach Swanson goes out and proves it to all of us, a direct snap, and he's throwing the ball 55, you know, 55 yards. I don't know how far he threw it, but either way, yeah. it ends up being a 55-yard touchdown pass to Nico Powell. It's just That's awesome. I love I love using your athletes in those dynamic ways like that. It's, it's great. Yeah, I, I think in this game, Patterson had a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. So uh, it shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't surprise you too much, but like you said, it's just, it's putting your playmakers in a position to succeed. Uh, so yeah, the Boilermakers were up seven Oh, only 14 seconds in. And so credit to real Valley. Cause they came back. They, it went back and forth for most of the first half. It was tied at 21 midway through the second. Um, a name for the storm that we talk about is Jaden Mickling. He had 114 yards on five carries in the first quarter. Wow. <laughs> Again, 114 yards on only five carries. Uh, their other their other star back, Leighton Britt, he had another big game. So, um, again, it was back and forth in the first half. It looked like Bureau Valley was going to have a go-ahead touchdown, um, but it was the Kiwani defense. They, they forced a fumble uh, in the end zone. It was at the goal line, rolled into the end zone. Boilermakers recovered for a touchback. So, talk about a momentum swing there. Um, and, and, really, the Boilermakers just took over. Let me give you another stat here, Greg. I'm ready for it. Boilermaker Will Bruno goes 11 of 14 for 302 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. They had uh, all together, 
So you take his 302 and you add Patterson's 55, they had 357 of their 423 total offense through the air. So that's, that's quite the air raid that they've got going on in Kiwani for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's what really impresses me is that they can throw the ball around really well, but they have athletes. They, they got guys yes. who can run on the ground as well. And man, their defense keeps showing up, you know, I week in and week out, we're seeing plays made on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's, what's going to carry them as well. They're just a really solid football team all the way around. I think in this one, unfortunately, when you look at, you know, Bureau Valley and the size of their roster, I think a part of this game kind of shows that they kind of just ran out of gas. I think that they got yeah. a lot of guys. They got more guys going both ways than Kiwani does. And I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. And I don't think they would make excuses for themselves, but I think it, there is a reality to it at some point that, they don't have quite the numbers that Kiwani has. And they, I think they just ran out of gas a little bit in this one. They certainly, they showed they have the talent, you know, and they've played well up to this point in the season, but um, two good football teams and, and Kiwani comes away with the win. Yeah. And it won't get, it won't get a lot easier for Barrow Valley too. They had two quick wins in the beginning of the year against Riverdale and Sherrard. And then really they get, they get the rest of the, the conference coming at them. They, they fall to, to Mendota and Kiwani, two of the top teams in the conference. They're going to follow that up this week with Newman, which even, even in a down year, they're still going to be Newman. So that could be a game that I'm looking for to see which team can kind of take the edge there. Um, and then they're still facing, you know, looking at Princeton at the end of the year. So um, yeah, let's, let's look for Bureau Valley to recover here. But like you said, there, there's going to be a sense that this is a long season. And uh, if, if their numbers can, or, or if their numbers are low, um, how well can they hold up? Yep. Let's keep moving right along here to St. Bede. The Bruins get the 13-7 win over Sterling Newman. Two field goals for Steven Shaver, including a 30-yard field goal with 227 left in the game. Now, Shaver, we've talked about him before. Yeah. He hit the game-winning yep. field goal against Erie Prophetstown. He is perfect on the season, has not missed a field goal or an extra point. Bruins defense forces six turnovers. The biggest one coming from John Brady, an interception on Newman's final drive of the game. That secured the win. St. Bede's first win over Newman since 2011. So yeah. quite an impressive accomplishment for this Bruins team that now moves to three and one. Yeah, and it was it looked like it was a pretty sloppy game in terms of weather. Um, it, it must have been raining, uh, especially in a game like that where it's too pretty good offenses and a low scoring uh, affair. Uh, so credit to John Brady where, where he's the quarterback of that Bruin team. And maybe he couldn't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball, but he comes up clutch on, on the other end. So uh, good to see that Prue continues to look good. Um, not only in this season, but uh, again, even going back to the spring. So uh, they moved to three and one. And, and again, Newman also a team, maybe, you know, uh, maybe a down year, at least in terms of Newman standards, but that might be due to numbers. So um but if, like you said, for, for St. Pete, when you're in these games like this and you can't get much going, not too many teams have field goal specialists, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when you have a kind of an automatic leg, uh, like Steven Shaver, that's a good thing to have in your back pocket. So if you can at least get into his range and you come away with three, that's a job well done. Yeah. I mean, at this level of IHSA football, yeah, exactly. If you got a kicker, a reliable kicker, that goes a long way. And especially when you start talking playoff time, man, those extra points can be critical. And if you got yeah. a guy who can hit that field goal, it's crucial. 
and I, I've seen a couple teams, and I can't think about the top of my head, that they either – it might have been Geneseo that their kicker was gone, and I think there's other teams too that just go for two a lot, and that's great if you can get in there, but if not – so. But in, in St. Bede's, you know, they've got an automatic one after a touchdown. So uh, good for him. Uh, you know, obviously one of the top kickers that we're going to talk about. So, uh, again, good for the Bruins to come away with the win on this one against a good Newman team. Yep. Plenty of other games to talk about. The Three Rivers, big win for Orion. The Chargers get the 41-0 win over Riverdale. They moved to 2-2 two and two on the year. Mitch, they've been battle-tested. They had Princeton yep. and Newman in two weeks in a row. But they get yep. back in the win column in big credit to Cole Kratzberg. This guy put up yeah. a record-setting performance on Friday night. Yeah, uh, and again, kind of like we were talking about with the Moline game where anytime you see a record, it's going to be, you know, uh, pretty uh, pretty eye-popping. And so when you're talking about a, a record at Orion, uh, same thing here. 270 yards on the ground for Cole, um, including touchdown runs from 87 and 98 yards. He had 308 yards altogether. Uh, so yeah, just an incredible performance from him. It, I, I was following like, this game uh, following this game online, and it just seemed like you know Kratzberg left, Kratzberg right. So, um, but they also have other weapons. Jared Moore was seven to fifteen for eighty-eight yards to keep that ball going downfield. Uh, wide receiver and defensive back Quinn Hoftender, he had four receptions for fifty yards. Also had an interception early in the game, uh, and, and Drake Gunn also had a fifty-five-yard TD run. So. Good for Orion to get back uh, to even at two and two. Um, and, and like we talked about with, with some other teams, Riverdale, just a down year. Um, they, they looked good. They had a, they had a touchdown on their first drive of the game that was called back to penalties. Um, and unfortunately that momentum just was gone right away. So um, we, we hope for, for them to, to continue to get better. Uh, but for Orion, uh, a good win here, 41, nothing. Yep. Moving right along to Monmouth Roseville. They also get the big win. They win 48 to 13 over Sherrard. So the Titans now improve to three and one overall. And maybe more importantly, they're two and zero in the three rivers in their side of the conference play with the win. A name we've talked about a lot, Silas Braun, 252 total yards, five touchdowns. Charlie Fletcher with a great game. Derek Chandler with another great game. I, I thought that there was some pieces in place here they fell to a tough Kiwani team in week one, but man, they've really rebounded and they're sitting in a good spot right now. Yeah. Silas Brown had such a, a huge game. Like you said, 250 yards, total offense, five touchdowns. Uh, yeah. And they've, they've really bounced back from that week one loss to Kiwani. Um, now, now granted, and, and again, no disrespect to these teams, but the, their three wins have been over Hall, Morrison and Sherrard. They yep. have one, you know, those three teams have one win combined. So uh, again, I can't stress enough, no, no offense to them, but you, you might not have seen the top dogs in the conference just yet. And they're going to escape that a little bit. They've got Rock Ridge next week, a, a tough Orient team after that. And then Erie and Princeton to, to end of the season. So, um, uh, and again, you want to see these type of performances in these types of games because you're going to have to do it when tougher competition comes to town. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but they'll have a tough test in this coming week. Let's talk Erie Prophetstown and Rock Ridge. Mitch, this was my second game on Friday night, and yeah. it was it was wild. This game yeah. was, man, it was it was a definition of a shootout 
football game. It was a barn burner, whatever you want to call it. This is what it was. Erie Prophetstown gets the 50 to 48 win. Man, just when you thought it was over or just when you thought you've seen everything, somebody else yeah. scored a touchdown. This, this game, yeah. was, it was fun. Yeah, if you had been there, if this was the only game that you went to, and you had highlights from it, you could have covered an hour uh, of show because <laughs> it was, it was like that. And like, like you said, it, it was just, it was just back and forth. It was, it was just, it was incredible to see and follow along with this game on what would happen. Um, Rockridge had a little bit of a lead at the end of the first half and then EP scored in the final second. So Rockridge led 28, 26 at the break. And then it all just, went nuts from there yeah. uh where did you where did you pick up this game at so where, i where actually i ran in i ran in as erie prophet sound was driving downfield at the end of the half and okay. i thought man i'm gonna miss everything i'm not gonna get there until halftime i got there and they were at like the 10 they called the a timeout i sprint down the sideline get there just in time for them to score to cut the lead to 28 26 and uh then in the second half they come right out and score again, I believe. And then let me see. I ha- I have my notes. I should just I just pull up my notes and then I can then I can really talk through. But so it was, yeah. So they were trailing 28-26. Second half, Rockridge answers right back. Braden Deem to Sawyer Weinert. He fights his way into the end zone to make it 35-26. Few plays later, Colby Franks comes right back. He fights for a touchdown. That makes it 35-34. So they've now cut the gap to one. They're still trailing, though. They can't get over that hump, you know? Well, yep. they're, they're right back at it. Erie Provincetown, Franks gets them down to the one-yard line on a great run. Then on fourth down and one from the one, he punches it in, makes it 42-35. So now all momentum has shifted to Erie Provincetown. They're, you know, they're really rolling. Four, yep. Mid-fourth quarter, Fourth down and short for Rockridge at the 50-yard line. And Braden Deem just decides, now I'll get all 50 yards at one time. Gets yep. around to the outside, goes 50 yards on the play. That made it 42-41. They missed the extra point or was blocked. I wasn't sure. I was already yep. running back. I already had the highlights I needed. I'm trying to get back to the station so I can edit. But they missed. Yeah, so like I said, the extra point was no good. And then the ensuing kickoff, as I'm driving away, right. as, you, the, yeah. <laughs> as I'm yeah, leaving, as you this, leave. I yeah. hear the crowd go nuts because Erie then returns the kickoff 70 yards for a touchdown. That puts them up 50-41 with 358 left. But Rockridge wasn't done yet. They scored again. Dean connects with Nate Henry on a 49-yard touchdown. The kick is good this time. It's 50-48 with 328 left. Late fourth quarter, Rockets defense holds on a fourth down. Peyton Locke with a huge interception. Rockets get the ball back with a minute 20 on the clock. They, the Panther defense would end up coming up with a big stop on a fourth down. So, I mean, you know, defense got the stop when they needed to, but man, this was an offensive show. Yeah. And this, this is the second straight week that, uh, EP has put up 50 points. Um, and I'm looking at their schedule and EP's going to the playoffs. Uh, they're going to get six or seven wins. They're going to get a solid four seed. If, if they still, if they still seed it that way, they've, you know, they, they lost early close games, both to Mendota and Erie. 
and they've got a real manageable schedule. They, they do have Orion and Monmouth um, as, as their two toughest tasks throughout the season, but Erie's going to the playoffs. There's no doubt uh, because this is Rock Ridge is no pushover and not only to win, but to respond to them all the way till the final seconds uh, is really going to do them wonders as they go on. So, um, you know, Rock Ridge, two tough losses to Princeton and EP, um, but they, they're not, you know, they're going to the playoffs too. They're not going to be done. They've got, uh, a tough win, a tough one coming up here with Monmouth Roseville that will really, um, again, like we've talked about kind of shuffling around in the standings, this is going to be a, a big game in, in the track, uh, for that. Yeah. I, I said it on Friday night for anyone who uh, is listening to this. If you haven't heard it yet, go out after this episode and listen to our instant reaction podcast from week four. That's, uh, me along with the WQAD crew, um, kind of just giving our, you know, like I said, instant reactions, just kind of our, you know, our gut instincts, our quick takes from Friday night. It's, we record it right after the show ends. Anyway, on that show, I said, if you're hanging around offensively with Rock Ridge, you're doing something right. And yeah. man, Kobe Franks, quarterback for Erie Prophetstown, he looks, he is a gamer, man. He is, he is big time. He came up with some huge plays after huge plays and it's almost to the point where the you know as a defense he's going to have the ball in his hand either running the ball or passing the ball but how do you stop him and he just makes it really tough to defend credit to him and Mitch you're making a lot of friends in Erie and Prophetstown you're you're putting them in the playoffs and they got to be excited about that but I agree I think that the hardest part of their schedule we saw it and I think now there's there's a path for them certainly Yep. I think so. They're, they're 12 points away from being four and So uh, all the credit to them as they uh, continue to move on the tough game against Orion though in week five, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. And for Rock Ridge, I mean, they put up 48 points, you know, they just didn't yep. quite get enough stops in this game. They still are a great team. They're still a very yep. dynamic offense. I think there's, you know, just the question of coming up with some of those defensive plays and that's the challenge moving forward. We'll talk about their, you know, week five matchup in a second here. Last game to cover in the three rivers, Spring Valley Hall gets the 44 to 20 win over Morrison. So they get their first win. That's that puts Hall at one and three. The Red Devils, Mac Resetich had 191 total yards, five scores on the night. So big night for him. Red Devils end up racking up 342 yards of rushing. Bright spot for Morrison. Uh, sophomore running back Carter Stratting had 181 yards and three scores. So some positives to take away, but man, at this point, Morrison's really struggling. It's, it's, that's tough at 0 and 4. I saw, uh, I saw an interview on a write-up with coach Snyder from Morrison. And he said really offensively, he couldn't be more happy with their performance. They're relying on, on guys, you know, their big running back, Alex Anderson can only do so much. So they're calling on sophomores like, like Carson Strading, and he has 181 yards and three scores. So, um, you know, defense is going to be their Achilles heel. It has been all season, and, and it probably will be for the rest of the year, unfortunately. So things will work out there in Morrison. But, uh, again, you like to see they, they've been over 20 points the last two two weeks. So um, next week they play Sherrard. They've got Riverdale coming up. So, you know, there, there's there's a window for Morrison to get a couple wins this, this season, um, and we'll uh, we'll be looking forward to it. All right, well, let's look through what's coming up in week number five. 
Mitch, I don't know if we call them the Mississippi or the Rock or the East or the West, but we're just going to go through what, what the games are. Yeah. We got, we got the big one, the rivalry game, the old school, the classic yeah. rivalry in the state of Illinois, Kiwani and Princeton. That, that's a huge game. That one's going to be really exciting. Two 4-0 teams. I can't think of a Kiwani-Princeton matchup that's been as hyped up as this one is. I believe that game is in Kiwani. So Kiwani will be the home team in that one. We'll keep moving down the list. Bureau Valley at Sterling Newman. Hall is at Mendota. Looking on the other side of the conference, Erie Prophetstown is at Orion. Monmouth Roseville is at Rock Ridge. Morrison is at Sherrard. And Riverdale is at St. Bede. So, Mitch, Kiwani and Princeton, that game stands out to all, to both of us. Where yeah. else do you go? What, what else you got on your radar? Well, let me, let me give a quick note about Kiwani and Princeton because they yes. played in the spring, they played in the spring and Princeton won 43 to seven. So I can only imagine that that has been some, uh, you know, some, it's been on the minds of the Boilmakers, I would imagine for the last six months. So uh, look, look for that to be a different game this time around for sure. Um, elsewhere, I'm going to look right at Roseville, Mount Roseville and Rock Ridge. I think that's going to be one of those games, um, that's really going to take one team up that next level, uh, and maybe knock one team down a peg. Same thing with EP and Oregon, which team can continue to, you know, both teams come off wins, um, I like EP in that one personally, but um, all across the conference are, are games like that. But the big one is obviously Kiwani and Princeton. Yeah, Kiwani and Princeton. I do like Monmouth, Roseville, and Rock Ridge. I want to see if Rock Ridge can, you know, obviously bounce back, but also like keep things rolling. I mean, you know, they played well offensively, but they just gave up a lot of points. I think the question becomes there. I think Monmouth, Roseville has a pretty big line. They're pretty good a good line, an experienced line play from the Titans. Can Rock Ridge handle that? Can, can their skill players still make things happen? And on the flip side, can Monmouth Roseville's skill positions take advantage of Rock Ridge's defense and put up points like Erie Provincetown did? I, yeah. I'm just really curious to see where, where, how that game plays out, what that game looks like. Yeah, and, and also on the kind of the flip side of things, uh, you know, Morrison and Sherrard, one team is going to get a win there. So um, good news for, for one of those two programs that, that, and hopefully can get them and going in the right direction. But um, this is, I'm looking, this is going to be like the 123rd time Princeton Kiwani have played. Um, and really it's pretty even. I think Princeton has the overall um, advantage in that like 62 to like 55 or, or something. I was looking it up before. Um, back to the old days of the NCIC. So, um, yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. It's going to be. A, I, I I hope that you get to go to that game if you're covering this week, or I hope that there's a lot of uh, uh, attention drawn to that game because it's it's a huge game for the area. Yeah, I I was vying for it on Friday night. I was already petitioning uh, Matt Randazzo to let to let me cover that game, but. Dan Pearson swooped in and said he may be mm. going there. So he may take that one. And Listen, Mitch, it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to like, yeah, to, 
to take over what Pearson wants. So I'll, I'll let yeah. him take it. I think. Yeah. What, what he says goes, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> uh, and for an incredibly good reason. So, um, yeah, if, if you can't go, I'm glad DP gets to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dan will have it covered. Great. No doubt about it. But that rivalry is one of my favorites in the area. It's one of the few rivalries that plays for a trophy. You always had the wooden gonna, shoe. I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask because I could I know we talked about it, but I couldn't remember if they do. Yes. So we've talked about the wooden shoe between Morrison and Fulton. That's now yep. been retired, at least for the time being. But Kiwani yep. and Princeton plays for a big trophy and it's like a block square and all the sides of it have plates of each year and the final score. Okay. And it, it's, it's half of it's orange and half of it's blue. And it's just, it's really cool. Awesome. They, they do it the right way. I'm sure they'll have it out there in Kiwani yep. on Friday night. So just a really cool uh, trophy to play for and a really cool rivalry game, you know, Bureau Valley and Newman, one of those teams looking to bounce back. You know, who, yep. who can get back on the right track there? Can Mendota get back in the winning, you know, in the win column against Spring Valley Hall, who's coming off their first win of the year. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said earlier, Erie Provincetown, I want to see if they can keep things going. Can they, can their defense, can Erie Provincetown defense control Kratzberg and what Orion mm-hmm. wants to do on the offensive side of the ball? I think, you know, a lot of intriguing games there. So a lot of things to be watching for on Friday night. Let's move into the Lincoln Trail Conference week four. And Mitch, Knoxville has jumped into the LTC and man, they look right at home. They get the 55 to eight win over United. They're now four and one or four and oh, I'm sorry, four and oh, undefeated, four and oh in conference play. So yep. they are, you know, obviously in the driver's seat of the Lincoln Trail Conference. They Blue Bullets, Lane Grice, proving to be one of the best backs in the area. Three scores from 23, 25, and 90 yards. Peyton Hankins, a name we've called out quite a bit on this podcast. He added two more touchdowns for Knoxville as well. They're rolling right along. They look really good. Yeah, I saw the highlights from this one. And, and like you said, Lane Grice can move. And he's he's a big body running back. So, um uh, Knoxville continues to make their presence known in the conference. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to, I don't know when it happens, um, but really looking forward to when Knoxville and A-Town get together. We'll get to A-Town in just a second. But um, yeah, Knoxville has has just bulldozed their way into the conference and, and again, doing it to United this week. Knoxville and A-Town, I believe, is week eight. They always okay. play late in the year. Speaking of great rivalries, that's another awesome rivalry yep. going back to Knoxville, Abingdon, you know, the Knoxville, Abingdon days, but Knoxville and A-Town will be a great rivalry game. Both teams should be playing for a lot at that point in the, in the season because A-Town gets another win. They're now 4-0. They win 38-14 over Mercer County. A-Town's Easton Schischler, 129 yards passing, two touchdowns. He had another 89, 83 yards and three touchdowns rushing. Clay Slagle with eight catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. So this Tornadoes team, they're getting the job done against a Mercer County team that we just talked about who had bounced back with a big win. But man, A-Town looks good. Yeah, A-Town has scored 38 or more every single game this year. Um, so uh, again, like a tornado, they, they just come in and uh, have really just, they, they've scored more points well. 
they've almost they're, they're three points fewer than what Princeton has scored in the track. So um, again, when you're keeping pace with Princeton, you know you're in good shape. So uh, again, they get they get and the one Weathersfield here in week five, and that's going to be a, a, a big matchup too. You know, has has a town been tested? You know, this season yet? Maybe not. Uh, but they're certainly going to uh, to get that uh, this week. Yeah, I think that their schedule, when you looked at it, was a little bit backloaded. I think they yeah. eased into it, and they've taken care of business. They've got the job done. There are some tests waiting for them, one of them being Anno on Weathersfield. We'll talk about them next. They get the 52-6 to win, huge win for Anno on Weathersfield. They moved to 3-1. and one. Titans scored early and often in this one. They received the kickoff and march 80 yards for a touchdown. Cole Truxell, nine-yard touchdown run. Very next possession, Darius Dickerson runs right up the gut for 62 yards. We've talked about both those names before. Truxell would add another touchdown, as did quarterback Dylan Horry, 11-yard touchdown pass to Colin Hornbeck. So Anawan Weathersfield was up 32-0 after the first quarter, and that game was over from there. So credit to Anawan Weathersfield. They got the job done against a struggling Ridgewood team, but that's what you got to do. You know, if you know you're coming into a game with the team struggling, you got to take advantage of that. And they did right away. Well, and if you remember, they just had that weird loss last week to Princeville where they only scored eight points. So um, yeah, good bounce back game for them. And uh, they needed it because they got a town this week and print and, and Knoxville after that. Yeah. So a lot of intriguing matchups coming up in the LTC. We'll keep moving right along. Princeville gets the 17 to 10 win over Rova Williamsfield. So they moved to two and two Rova Williamsfield falls to one and three Elmwood Brimfield knocks off Stark County 30 to nine in a non-conference game. So Stark County now falls to one and three. Let's move into week five and see what we got coming up. The matchup we already referenced a town at Anawan Weathersfield. That one is really intriguing. We'll keep moving along Knoxville is at Ridgewood on Saturday. United is at Stark County and Rova Williamsfield is at Mercer County. Interesting to note, this is Mercer County's first home game. We're in week five. Yeah. Yeah. It is their first home game of the year. And then Princeville is at Lewiston. So I think immediately my head goes to A-Town Anawan Weathersfield. I think that will go a long way in deciding who's up in either the driver's seat of this conference, certainly, or who's going to be in second place in this conference. I think that one will go a long way there. Knoxville, can they keep things going? It's a game against the struggling Ridgewood team, but like we've talked about, you got to win these ones. You got to jump all over them early. They're on the road. It's a Saturday. It'll be Ridgewood's homecoming. So if there's ever a time for them to play motivated, that's the one. You want to get that one, you know, when you're at home on homecoming. United and Stark County. I think we've seen flashes from both of those teams mm-hmm. who can come away with that win. So Mitch, what do you think? What games, what do you like? What, what's your talking points on the LTC? Uh, yeah. Like, like you just, you just talked about United and Stark County who can get their second win of the year. Um, Knoxville against Ridgewood. Uh, again, like you said, Ridgewood having a tough year. Can Knoxville stay healthy? Uh, maybe get some, some depth, some players that haven't played yet. Uh, because in week six, they play um, uh, Weathersfield. So tune-up game of sorts uh, here in week five. But yeah, the big one, A-Town and, and on Weathersfield. Can A-Town keep things going? 
in what I would what I would say is their first real test of the year. Um, and can Weathersfield put up another performance like they have three out of the four weeks this year, uh, sans that Princeville week. So um, I, I look forward to most of these games, really. They all, they're all intrigued, but A-Town and Allen Weathersfield takes the cake for sure. Yeah, I think when you look at, like you said, A-Town getting their first, you know, maybe their first real test of the year, not just a test in their opponent, but they also got to go on the road. You're going to Anawan Weathersfield, which is a very good program. That's a tough place to walk in and play because that's a team that year in and year out is very good. Some years, they're one of the best teams in the state of Illinois in the Class 1A. So I think for A-Town, this is a big test in a, what can be a hostile environment. You know, that this is a good, you know, very loyal home team that they're going to be loud and that's going to be an atmosphere that you got to overcome. So I'm, that'll be a game to watch to, for sure to yeah. see, you know, the LTC, like we've talked about with the, with the Western big six, it's going to be interesting. Cause I think there's just a lot of moving parts and, and who ends up going where, and you know, like you said, who climbs the ladder, who takes steps back as these weeks go on. Yeah, I think you and Dazzo talked about it. I think Dazzo specifically said that he, you know, uh, had a clear picture on most of the conferences other than the LTC. Um, and and really, this week doesn't clear it up any more than it was. So I think, <laughs> I think when we talk next week, once A-Town and Kiwani have played, one of those teams will separate from the other, um, and assuming Knoxville is still undefeated. So um, I don't know that we're there yet to getting any clarity. Maybe we don't get there until week eight, but um, uh, you like to see that too. It keeps everything uh, keeps everything tight and keeps everything pretty intriguing. It's cliffhangers, Mitch. You got to wait for the yeah. next episode, you know? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini. We'll start with the 11-man ranks in week four. Forreston gets the 52-6 to win over Dakota, so they move to three and one. After both teams traded scores in the first quarter, the Cardinals roll off 44 unanswered points. So, man, they, they look really good offensively and obviously defensively here, too, holding Dakota to six points. But, man, they put up some big-time numbers in this one. Yeah, uh, a, a, a typical force in game. Um, I would love to know if they attempted one pass in this game. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but Matthew Beltron had touchdown runs of four. 2, 14, 9, and 66 yards. Um, and that's, what, 80-some, 90-some yards. He ended up with 148 total on 17 carries and five scores. Pretty good efficiency there. McKean Crace had 116 yards on 11 rushes, so I think I answered my own question. I, I, I don't think they passed. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's just what they – what was it? They've averaged one pass per game all, all year. So, yep. um, yeah, good, good win here. Um, uh, against uh, a down year for Dakota, but they were coming off of a win. So, um, you know, looking at looking ahead, Forsen's got Lena Winslow at the end of the year. They've got Fulton coming up, Galena East Dubuque. So, um, they uh, again, not not to play, you know, looking in the future. I think Forsen will get into the playoffs this year, but they're going to be battle tested before that for sure. Yeah. So I, you know, we credit Forsen's offense, and I briefly mentioned it. We should credit their defense as well holding Dakota to 90 yards of total offense. So that is an impressive number. And I think what stands out to me is, Mitch, these these names that we just mentioned for Forreston, these are names that we didn't mention two weeks ago or three weeks ago. There's different names week in and week out. So for a 1A program to have 
multiple guys stepping up that are really putting up impressive numbers, that's that's a good sign for Forreston, for sure. Yeah, and it's just kind of uh, kind of how it goes in this conference, though, right? I mean, the, the, the NUIC continues to prove to be one of the toughest conferences in, in 1A football. So uh, Forreston looking to become you know, in line with Lena Winslow uh, and their recent dominance, trying to get back to where they were coming off that you know, somewhat recent state championship, trying to get back to that level. Yep. Well, speaking of Lena Winslow, they moved to 4-0. They get the 52 to nothing win over East Dubuque. So like I said, Lena Winslow moves to 4-0. East Dubuque falls to 1-3. East Dubuque did their best to hang around in this one early. This is a team that me and Dazzo talked about last week, trying to see like, what can they do in this one? And I don't think either one of us were necessarily going to go out on a limb and call an upset, but we were hoping to see you know, some flashes of the talented team that East, we think East Dubuque has. And they did early on hang around with them. It was 14-0 midway through the second quarter. They were trying to keep it close. But, man, Lee Wynn is just – they're just too good. They're just too powerful. They go on to score three consecutive drives in the third quarter, and they end up cruising to victory. Ethan Fye, another 91 yards rushing and three touchdowns. That's a name, Mitch, that – we knew we said his name last year, but this year we, we kept saying, well, Mari Roby will be their guy. He'll yeah. be the guy that we call out week in and week out. And he's still getting his touches and getting his numbers. But man, Ethan Fye is doing, is doing some great work for this Lena Winslow program. Yeah. Him and uh, him and Roby just continued to be a dynamic duo, but that, that's, that's not all because in this game you saw other names. So like you mentioned, Ethan Fye had 91 yards. Uh, Brady Elders, who we've, we've mentioned a handful of times, Jake Zeal each scored in this game. Uh, as mentioned, Mar- Mari Roby, only 48 yards. So when, when he only has 48 yards and you win by 50, that's a pretty good day. Um, Wes Offerman had a, had a score. He had 50 yards on the ground, also had an interception on defense. So, yeah, a, a complete team win here for Lena Winslow. Um, as expected, nothing against East Dubuque. It's just as expected every week with Lena. Yeah, I think that you know, Lena Winslow has been everything that we advertise going into the season. And I think, man, if you keep watching, I'm just sure that Mari Roby is going to have some electric plays down the stretch. You just, you can tell that Ethan Fye is getting a lot of the carries and getting the work and getting it done. But man, you know that Mari Roby, he's coming off a serious injury. And so yeah. I think that the more time he has to get comfortable, man, I think you're going to see some explosive plays from him. Yeah. And, and like, like you said, too, to give credit to the defense for Lena Winslow. They've, they've given up six points this year, and that was three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have not allowed a point since August 27th, um, and they've continued to, to be really good on offense each and every week. So, um, uh, again, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. They've got Fulton, Dupec, and Forreston still left on their schedule this year. Um, and that's just going to make this conference so exciting um, to see if Lena can get past those three hurdles. If they do, who is going to stop them? Who in the state stops them if they get through that gauntlet? And if someone does, who's it going to be out of those three teams? So, um, you know, business as usual so far for Lena, but it's about to pick up. Yep. As Jim Ross would say. That's, <laughs> that's a great reference. I love it. Let's go to another 4-0 team. Dupec gets the 50-8 to win over Eastland Pearl City. Hunter Hoffman, 134 yards passing, 65 yards rushing, six total touchdowns. So he continues to get the job done. They move to 4-0. and 
another game, another big win. Um, Galena gets the win 28 to 14 over Stockton. So they're now two and two on the season. Stockton took an early lead in this one, but Galena scored twice to make it 14, six that including an Ethan Heffel to Brady Schemmelhorn touchdown just before the half. That connection would meet up again later on after Stockton tied it up with about nine minutes left in the game. It's again, Heffel to Schemmelhorn, 28-yard touchdown pass. They gave the Pirates a 21-14 lead. Then later, it would be Schemmelhorn to seal the win with a pick six. So if you're the Galena Pirates, you got to love seeing Schemmelhorn and Ethan Heffel, big-name players we've talked about, getting the job done and coming up big. Yeah, on, on both sides of the ball, like you said, Schemmelhorn kitten the pick six to, to really seal it. Um, you know, and, and again, a team that has has two losses already behind them in Fulton and Lena, but that leaves a, a pretty manageable rest of the schedule. So can they get three more wins off what's left? I think that they can um, and, and hopefully secure that playoff spot. So, yeah, looking good, a good win against Stockton here. And the last game coming from the Northwest Upstate Illini, Fulton gets the 42 to nothing win on the road trip down south to Madison. Steamers once again look good offensively, defensively. You know, Mitch, what they what they show on Saturday to get this win? Yeah, they certainly didn't didn't show any signs of road lag. That's for sure. It's a it's a long long trip there to Madison, but uh, yeah, the defense came to play uh, as a full, as a good Fulton team normally does. They came up with a pair of pick sixes at the expense of the Trojans in this one. Uh, so again, a typical result for Fulton this year. And congrats to Patrick Lower. He is 70th win at Fulton uh, at the helm of the Steamers. And uh, they, they get that win because now, uh, as we'll get to, big matchup here in week five. Well, let's get right into it. The Northwest Upstate Illini, 11-man teams in week five. Forreston at Galena. Lena Winslow at Fulton. Stockton at East Dubuque. Eastland Pearl City at Dakota. And Mitch, the last game on the NUIC slate was originally scheduled to be a non-conference game. Dupec was going to be hosting Urbana. Urbana, several weeks ago, ended up canceling their football season. So they were out. They were done. Dupec was trying to find an opponent. And man, all of a sudden, breaking news, they found a really good one. They have Decatur St. Teresa now on the schedule. Uh, St. Teresa had um, Clinton, their opponent that was supposed to be coming up this week, forfeit on them. So they had an open date and Dupec had the open date. So here we go. Decatur St. Teresa is now traveling for no Decatur St. Teresa, I should clarify, now traveling to Dupec this week. Yeah, uh, a pretty cool uh, situation that these teams have, have fallen into. Um, and, and something that we talked about more about in the spring where, you know, records and, and such didn't really matter where we wanted to see programs and, and games that we might not see, or, or maybe games that we wouldn't see until playoffs happen. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is really cool. Kudos to, to both programs for, for wanting to play. Um, but we don't know all the details just yet. If both teams are going to get wins for their forfeits, or if this counts as a regular, uh, you know, regular win or loss game for both programs. So we're not quite sure on that. We don't want to speculate on that, but, um, again, kudos to both programs because this is a good test for both teams. Um, St. Teresa puts up 50 points a game and doesn't allow any. 
um, and Dupec with their high-powered offense and really good defense. Uh, this will be a pretty interesting matchup, so pretty cool to see it come together uh, here on Monday. But, hey, the big one I just rolled past, Lena Winslow at Fulton. Man, if you're the Fulton Steamers, you're coming into the new conference, and you know the team that has a target on their back, this is a great opportunity for Patrick Lower and the Steamers at home to really, really send shockwaves through the conference so they can pull off a win here. Yeah, if they get they get it at home, uh, which which could be a, a certain advantage. Uh, I think I talked about before that Fulton's a, a cool place to play and it, it can get loud there. So, uh, yeah, what more can be said about that one? I can't wait to talk about it next week. Uh, be, beyond that, you know, Force and Galena can force and keep things going. Can Galena get another win? Um, EPC and Dakota, two struggling teams. You know, can can one of uh, those teams get back on track? Can EPC get their first one of the year? Man, getting back to this non-conference game that kind of came out of nowhere, Decatur St. Teresa and Dupec, one of the, maybe the best team in Class 2A, according to some of the rankings and the polls that you see, and one of the better teams in Class 3A, certainly one of the best teams in the NUIC. They got a quality opponent kind of out of nowhere. Man, this is going to be really fun football. It's great. The Northwest Upstate Illini is great, but it's really good when you see them challenge themselves outside of the conference. This should be really fun. Yeah, and and the the conference that St. Teresa plays in, you know, a lot of heavy hitters in there. That's where you see Tuscola. That's where you see Central A&M, you know, perennial teams that you see uh, in, in, uh, in DeKalb on weekends and, and previously in Champaign. So, um, like you said, a tough team already coming from a tough conference, but, uh, traveling to Dupec for a game, uh, exciting to see it. Cause, uh, that's, that's a lot better than the alternative of, of not playing uh, a game at all via a forfeit. Yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, I was interested in seeing what Dupec could do against a bigger school, a bigger enrollment school, like Urbana, obviously they were struggling and they ended up having to cancel. So now to get a program like St. Teresa to come in, this is a really good test for what should be a playoff team in Dupec. It's just, it can't hurt, you know, win or lose. It's just, it's really good experience. I think headed into a play, what should be a playoff run for Dupec. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the spring when we saw Princeton and Lee win play, right? You, you get two perennial teams. Uh, our two playoff teams from different classes uh, playing against each other. It's going to be a lot of fun to see those teams go up against each other. Um, I am really excited to see what Lena Winslow and Fulton can do. I mean, Fulton's going to have to play a great football game. You know, I saw him against East Dubuque and East Dubuque went back and forth on him early on. And then Fulton really took over that game. Um, but I, I think in this one, you know, you, you got to be ready to go from the very beginning. You know, you, you can't, you can't have any penalties that set you back. Obviously, turnovers, you know, you got to do things right. So, can Lena Winslow keep things rolling on the road? I, yeah, I think there's been a couple games for Lena that they've started slower. Um, I think Galena was one they, they only won, you know, they, they shut them out, but they only put up a couple scores. And I think even in the East Dubuque game, we mentioned that they started slow. So, can Fulton take advantage of that? Because that's what you have to do. You have to take any window that you get against Lena Winslow to, to have a shot. So can they do that? I'll be interested to see what happens in some of these games. We'll uh, take a look next week and we'll run down the Northwest upstate Illini, but you know, th- this conference is shaping up and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing some things and it's, it's going to be exciting to keep following along the way. Let's move in to the eight man ranks. Most of these teams, Northwest upstate Illini teams that we follow in the eight man ranks and Mitch, when it comes to eight man football, 
the Northwest upstate Illini is proving that their teams are the best in eight man, as well as we've always thought they're as good in 11 man. How about Amboy getting mm-hmm. the 60 to 14 win over West central out of Bigsville West central came in as the number one ranked team in eight man football. Yep. And Amboy puts up 60 and holds them to 14. What an yep. effort from the Amboy Clippers, a proud program that, man, that win's got to feel good. Yeah, West Central team that that puts up just, uh, I think they're, they probably average over 50 a, a week. So um, Kai Koku rushed for five times for 181 yards oh, and three geez, scores. So yeah. doesn't get much better than that for the Clippers. Uh, Tucker Lindemeyer had six carries for 107 yards and two scores. Uh, Dylan Daniels had two scores uh, and ran in a pair of two-point conversions for the Clippers. So uh, Jordan Gully, another one. So really, uh, by committee, a big win uh, against a really good West Central team. So good for Amboy, good to see uh, as they move to two and two. Another Northwest Upstate Illini team in the eight-man ranks coming up with a big win against a team from outside of the area, Milledgeville, 60-8 to eight win over Blue Ridge. So Milledgeville now sitting at 3-1 and one on the season. Ashton Novis ran for 92 yards and two touchdowns. Also caught one of Connor Nye's three touchdown passes. Nye also ran for a score. Kaysen Johnson and Colton Wilk um, also ran for touchdowns. Bryce Audie and Kieran Harris caught touchdown passes from Nye. So, you know, this Milledgeville missile offense looking real good in the eight-man ranks, and they're sitting at three and one now. Their only loss coming to Polo, who's four and oh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out Coach Robo. That's right. That's right. Mill- or a former Morrison guy, right? Yeah, former Morrison and former Augie guy. So, uh, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon here on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, Milledgeville's only loss was to Polo. Polo gets the forfeit win over Decatur Lutheran. So now Polo is 4-0 on the season. Uh, Galva falls to 0-4. They lose to St. Thomas Moore, 70 to nothing. But the big one, the big game in eight-man, saved the best for last. Orangeville moves to 4-0 with a 34-26 win over Aquin. Aquin would take the early 6-0 lead, but Orangeville responds with three touchdowns to take a 20-6 lead. Bulldogs would fight back. This is a great football game. Bulldogs fight back. They cut it down to 27-20, to but that's as close as they would get. The Broncos were led by Ryan Guy, 276 yards rushing. Ryan Tome also had nine tackles and two interceptions. And Gunnar Lobdell also ran for 225 yards and three touchdowns. So the huge offensive numbers in the eight-man ranks. And Orangeville looked really good in a good quality football game against Aquin. Yeah, always interesting to see these 11-man teams that are playing in their first year, not only in, in eight-man football, but then playing against other teams in the same predicament coming on in their first year. So uh, Aquin was was such a talented program in 11-man and still are as an eight-man. So cool to see Orangeville be a 4-0. Uh, and like you said, this was a game full of offense and, and a really good, exciting win for Orangeville. The really fun side note from this game. So this was on Saturday after Amboy and West Central had already played. And so Amboy had knocked off the number one eight-man team in the state. So Kyle Kantmeyer from NUICfootball.com mm-hmm. was there. And he had said 
you could hear on the sideline players from each team talking back and forth about who is going to be ranked number one, who gets the win <laughs> in this one and who moves into the number one slot. So that's, that's yep. really cool. I mean, Hey, if you're going to talk trash, you might as well talk about who's going to be number one. That's right. Yep. You know, that's legit trash talk. Not a bad, yeah, not a bad place to be in. <laughs> yeah, so Amboy gets, or so sorry, Orangeville gets the job done there against Aquin. Mitch, let's move into uh, the schedule for the upcoming week. Another interesting matchup here. West Central now goes on the road to Freeport-Aquin. So Mm -hmm. West Central's got to try to bounce back, but, man, they got a tough test against a really good Aquin team. And, man, you know that Aquin's going to be hungry to get back in the win column, especially after they saw what happened to West Central last week and they fell short against uh, Orangeville. So that's an intriguing one. River Ridge on the road at Rockford Christian. Alden Hebron travels to Milledgeville. Amboy goes on the road to Milford to see if they can keep things rolling in the right direction. Speaking of keeping things rolling, Orangeville hosts South Beloit. And Galva goes on the road to Bushnell Prairie City. Man, I really want to see that West Central Aquin game. I mean, I, I think Aquin is just as good as Orangeville and fell a little bit short. And for after I saw what happened to West Central, man, they West Central's got to answer. They got to bounce back and prove that they still are that good of a football team. And Aquin, they got a real good opportunity here to make some noise. Yeah, Aquin, one of the best defenses in eight men. They've only allowed 56 points this year. So uh, can they can they hold down West Central just like Amboy did? Uh, I'll look I'll look at South Boy and Orangeville. Uh, Orangeville's four and zero. South Boy's three and one. Both really good high scoring offenses. So. Um, which defense can really step up so far this season. Orangeville has one of the best defenses in eight man football. So can they prove to do it against a, a high powered offense um, like South Beloit has? So yeah, good, good matchups here in eight man this week. Uh, one other game I should mention Polo is on the road at Flanagan Cornell Woodland. And actually uh, that Flanagan team is three and one on the season. So that's a good yep. matchup for Polo. Then a four and O team going up against a three and one team. That's, one more game I wanted to get in there, but uh, Mitch, take a breath. I think that's mm-hmm. it. I think we've run through everything that was week four and everything to look forward to in week five. Obviously, plenty of stuff to talk about, but man, some of the games, you know, running down the list again, Kiwani and Princeton is going to be huge. You look at UT versus Rock Island, Galesburg at Quincy. Sterling at Geneseo. Geez, I'm starting to name every game we've already talked about because they're right, all intriguing. Yep. So just a lot of really good matchups uh, down the way. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll be watching Friday night. You'll be scouring the web and uh, surfing the yep. live streams. And uh, I'm sure yep. texting me what you see. And I'll be, uh, I don't know where I'm going yet. I, you know, I thought I was going to do the Kiwani swing, but, you know, Dan Pearson, he, he is, uh, if he takes that one, I, I believe he'll do great. So I'll let him take yep. it. I, I'm not yep. going to talk. I'm not going to, I'm not going to swoop in and steal a game from Dan Pearson, but uh, yep. I got to figure out where I'm going. So Mitch, where should I go? I guess that's the, that's the question here. Yeah. For, unfortunately that's, that's not up to you. Cause, but the good news is, is that you, you know, there are a lot of uh, a good matchups this week. So no matter where you go, you'll, uh, you'll see a good, a good matchup for sure. I, I, I can feel it. Erie Provincetown and Orion or Monmouth, Roseville and Rock Ridge in the three rivers. I could go that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Usually they don't like to keep me uh, local in the Western big six. Cause usually dazzle and cuff steal those so they can stay closer to the station. Maybe, so I, maybe they'll send you to, to Weathersfield to, to for the a town game. 
that's true. Um, I would. I don't know if Dan Pearson will do both of those because they're so close to okay. each other. Yeah. But, okay. Um, yeah, that that could be one. So, uh, all right. Well, I'll have to look through. We'll we'll figure it out. But um, Mitch, good to have you back in the podcast after a after yeah, a, a refreshing well, and, bye week. Yeah. Well, and quick shout out to our friends at the Score for for Dazzle for stepping in. I'm sure you know we'll have Cuffler on and maybe even Cecilia and even Stocking on for a show. So, uh, you know, thank you to them for for being good friends of ours and, and stepping in and uh, being available for uh, the the reaction pods that you know they're going to go on uh, throughout the season so uh big shout out to them and uh hopefully everyone's watching their coverage as, as well because we're lucky to have uh we're lucky to have people like that in the area yep every friday night wqad the score live at 10 35 they do a really good high school football show lots of you know pre-game you know coaches mic'd up segments they got a lot of post-game wrap-ups obviously ton of highlights they do a great job and yeah to anyone listening to this when this one wraps up, when this podcast wraps up, go out and listen to our instant reacts podcast from week four. That's me and the WQAD crew kind of running through all the things that happened in week four. And it's, uh, you know, it's a unscripted, unedited, and like I said, a little bit uncontrollable. So it's just uh, very free flowing and we just let stocking kind of go and say whatever he wants. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. He could, he could run the show. He could run the show by himself if we, if we just let him have it. It's a dangerous thought, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Mitch, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Sounds good. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.